Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have a great episode for you again tonight. I'm joined by Lady Anne Celine. Lady Anne was born with the paranormal in her blood. She's had experiences beginning with her earliest memories, ghosts, shadow entities, Sasquatch encounters, and more. She is a Reiki master, intuitive tarot reader, and vampire witch who loves to dive into the spiritual realm. Anne is the owner of KPNL Radio, The Caravan of Lore, and author of the newly released The Diaries of Lady Anne, Aperture in the Veil Born in a Preternatural World. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, or have questions, comments, or just want to say hello, drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the show. You can find me on YouTube, Podbean, FringeRadioNetwork.com, KPNL Digital Network on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, and any place you find fine podcasts. You can also join me on Discord where we can chat while listening to new episodes as they are released on the second and last Sunday of each month at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, on with the show. Hello, Lydia, and welcome to Paranormal Heart. Hello. Let's try this again. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who listen to the show often know that I often have uh, tech issues. And today was, uh, well, it, did, it didn't disappoint. I had unusually <laughs> extra uh, tech, you know, I had more tech issues. But anyways, we're here. So thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited. So am I. So I thought we could start off by uh, you discussing how you got into the paranormal, and um, we'll go from there. Yeah, no, of course. You know, I tell everybody that I was pretty much born into the paranormal. I remember, I think I was about a year old, I think, and my dad had dropped me off over at this babysitter's house, and... I remember seeing the patio door and the sun was, um, you know, the sun was just coming up and there was this big floodplains down below and the water and the sky were just those beautiful oranges and reds. And I remember sitting there looking at this and I was like, wow, I came back. Hmm. And then as time went on, I'd be in my crib or I'd be in my bed and I would see shadow figures. I'd see hands wrapped around the wall in the hallway. Um, it, it was definitely <laughs> a strange way to, to grow up. So I, it's, I've just been in it since my, my first memories. Now seeing those, did that frighten you or did you feel that it was normal, that it was okay? Um, 
gosh, I've never been asked that. <laughs> when I, uh, <laughs> I, gosh, going back to when I was that age, I thought that that was just part of our world. I thought that, you know, well, you've got people and you've got ghosts. So I think that, you know, it was normal. It that just came with the nighttime. But for whatever reason, and I don't know if it was the comfort of my nightlight or if it was the barrier of the doorway, but they never came in. And mm-hmm. I always felt safe with that. But I, I knew that they were out there in the darkness, but I but I felt safe that they would never come in my room. And they didn't. Um not until <laughs> I was a teenager and I had made a makeshift Ouija board. Oh. And then that kind of, I feel, opened the doorway mm-hmm. in there. And I did have that experience where every night things just seemed to get darker and darker. Until one evening, I'm laying there and it's like that there's this male presence. And I could feel hands on my legs, like holding me down. And I was terrified. I barely breathed. I didn't move. I didn't open my eyes. Um, but somehow I fell asleep and I woke up the next morning still just, you know, right there in that same spot. And that's, you know, I, I ran out and I told my grandpa, I said, grandpa, I did something bad and I went into our house and you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What did he say to that? Well, he, he believed in ghosts and he was just kind of, he just kind of hung his head a little bit and he goes, okay, you know, don't worry about it. So he went down because he was attending the Methodist church at the time and I was going with him. And he went down and told the pastor and the pastor actually came and blessed the entire property and the inside wow. of the house. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. So we got lucky there. And uh, a couple nights later after this happened, uh, or maybe it was that same night. I can't remember if it was that same night or the next night, but I was laying in bed and I remember feeling that fear. And I'm laying there and I'm looking on my wall and I can see this like, blue pulsating light. It's kind of a white blue light. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So I roll over and at the end of my bed, there's this big, huge blinding ball of like white bluish light. And I was just shocked. So I kind of sit up because I'm wanting to reach for it. And I don't know why I want to reach for it, but I'm drawn to it like a moth to a flame. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I lift my hand up boom just gone just like it was never there and I just kind of sat there in awe and confused but then but I felt this overwhelming peace and love that I've never felt before in my life and I was able to just lay down and go back to sleep now did you feel that from the orb or was it afterwards it was right afterwards. After okay. it, it was gone and I was like, okay, and I laid down, then it, it just kind of washed over me and that helped me go to sleep. Have you ever seen that orb again? No. No, and this, and this, it was so big and so bright. It, it was like it was all the way from the floor to the ceiling. Wow. 
Like this was huge, like and blinding. I couldn't see anything else in my room but that. How old were you again? Um, I want to say that I was about thirteen or fourteen. And this was after the Ouija board incident. Yeah, this is after the pastor came and mm-hmm. blessed the house. Did you feel anything from that orb? Do you recall any emotions or um, uh, temperature or sounds or anything? No, no, there was nothing hmm. except for after it was gone, that feeling of love and peace. That was all that I felt. Wow. Do you think that came from the orb or just something something residual from, from it? Or do you think maybe something was trying to comfort you? Um, you know... It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, I'm not sure what I think anymore because, okay. A, for the longest time, I thought maybe it was an angel because I, I know somebody else that did experience seeing an angel and it's very similar. The, the, brightness and how it took up the whole end of my bed and the fact that it was so bright but it didn't hurt your eyes and the color and how it pulsated um it was similar to somebody else's angel experience however as i have been in this community and i've been doing more research there is more that i've been noticing that could correlate with et phenomena um so were these experiences indeed brought on because i played with a ouija board and could it have been an angel because the pastor came and blessed the house or are these screen memories mm-hmm. i i don't know that's <laughs> and interesting that's, right it is, and and I never thought about any of this stuff before. Um, in the last couple months, is is where I've kind of taken on a new road and have been looking into it because, you know, might as well. Mm-hmm. And if it's not that, then okay. But I've learned more, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It almost makes you want to be able to go back in time and watch yourself during that encounter and see if you can get any more information to figure out what it was. I am actually going to, um, I have a couple appointments set for having a hypnotic regression. So I can try to, yeah, (laughs) I've never had that done. Yeah. Neither have I. So it's, it's going to be interesting. You'll have to keep us posted on how that goes. I'm very curious to hear. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yeah. There's a, a couple of uh, encounters that I would like to go back and, and figure out, it, you know, a little bit more on, on what it was that I was encountering. That's fascinating. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So growing up, when you, you would have these encounters, was your family supportive? Did they know about uh, paranormal things and they're okay with it? or? Well... So when I was really little, I loved watching everything on Harry Houdini. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And especially all of the mediumship stuff after he died Mm -hmm. with his wife and everything. 
trying to contact him from beyond. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, so I remember <laughs> that after I watched that stuff, I went to my grandpa and I had asked him, I was like, will you come back and say goodbye to me when you die? Oh, <laughs> I was, you know, I was like nine or eight or nine or so. And, yeah. and he just kind of looks at me and he's like, well, I mean, I'll try. And then he went in to telling me the very first ghost story that I had heard by my family. No way. Yeah. Yeah. He had went up after his mom passed away. And he was staying the night there, um, the night before the funeral. And he woke up out of a sound sleep. And he could see this shape at the end of his bed. And it looked just like Grandma Francis. And he had that feeling just wash over him that he knew it was her. He knew that she was saying goodbye. And then she just kind of, you know, disappeared. And so he told me that he definitely believes in, in ghosts and the paranormal and he would definitely try to say goodbye. And he did. After he passed away, he was in my dreams and he told me things that I didn't know while he was alive that my family confirmed afterwards. Um, so I know it was him. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so comforting to me to know that when children have experiences like that, that their families actually don't try to treat them like uh, they're possessed or something. They, they um, nurture them and, and help them. You know, and that's so amazing because that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about is that your children are so connected still, mm -hmm. you know, and when they come to you and they're telling you these things, it's important to listen. And I've always fostered that within my own children. They come to me, I listen, they're very investigative, investigative, and they're very aware. And it's so funny, because the youngest brought home a book. Uh, I forget, I don't have it with me. I think it's called The Girl in the Locked Room. And we're reading it. And this girl is having this experience where her father is remodeling these really cool old houses. So they just got to this Victorian house and he's going to oh, remodel nice. this whole thing. And she's having these feelings. She's having these visions. And there is a ghost girl in the house and the ghost girl is trying to connect with the living girl. Well, the mom the whole time is sitting there saying, Oh, you just have an active imagination. These are your dreams. And then the mom recounts this other quote unquote dream that the girl had that was terrifying. And I'm just, I'm sitting there reading it. And my youngest looks at me and she goes, her mom's going to make her sound crazy. And I said, oh. yes. <laughs> and my, my daughter, she, the, she's eight years old. And she was just so surprised at how the mom was behaving. And it talks about how the little girl is feeling so alone. And she's feeling like she just, she wishes so bad that she had somebody that just would believe her. And it's so important because that is what happens. I, th I'm, I just brought it up on my phone, the girl in the locked room, uh, by Mary Downing Han, I think it's pronounced. I think so. 
Yep. Uh, it looks very, very interesting. Makes me want to read it. It's, I think I might. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah, she found it in the library. And it was so funny because she says to me, I don't know why I did this. But I walked to this area in the library and there's stools to try to see the books on the top shelf. And I just felt like I needed to go to this top shelf. And so I get the stool and I stand on it and I look and I just reach for this book. <laughs> and, and this is her story awesome. of how she chose the book. And she just had to bring it home. And so and it's so funny because some of the names in the book are I mean it it's really eerie <laughs> because there's multiple names in the book that are the same names of people that we're close to there's multiple states that they talk about that we're also involved with those you know same ones and yeah and it's just so similar it's crazy is but, this a non-fiction book yeah. Or fiction. Yeah, I know. It's a totally made up book. And oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, okay, is there a message in here for me? <laughs> Am I supposed to like, yeah, find something out in here? Because too many coincidences. It really is. It really is. And I've noticed that with TV shows, though, too, because I really don't watch TV. And I because I'm always researching. I'm online. I'm doing that kind of thing. Or I'm trying to write. And um mm -hmm. So when I do watch TV, it's kind of rare and there usually is something in there for me that goes, oh, my gosh, this is the next you know, direction that I can take on this research project or I could put this in my next book or I can, you know. That's amazing. So ha have you had any other family members who have had experiences like that other than your grandfather? Um. I know that you know of I have so my sister's had plenty of experiences I have an aunt and her children that have had experiences um my dad he's had experiences but it seems like he um he got more into the spirituality side of things when I was around 15. So he entered the Reiki energy healing type mm. world. Uh, so that's more along his experiences. I don't recall any kind of ghost experiences of his growing up or when I was little. He's more of your um, ET, UFO, military, energy healing uh, type person. Okay. Still in the paranormal category, though. That's good. Yes. Hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, I've spoken to so many people, and it, it's very interesting to find out that some of them, they don't even know if family members have had paranormal encounters as well because they don't talk about it. Right. Or, um, oh, yeah, it's normal. Everybody in the family has had, you know, it's, it's really fascinating to find out backgrounds of their families as well. Right. No, it's very true. Because when you find that out, then you find out that, okay, like with the shadow entities, that's something that my mm. sister has also encountered. And there's a lot of things that are, um, they just go through family lines. Yep. And I have no idea why. Um, I'd like to know, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, you know, it it honestly depends on the phenomena, I think, mm -hmm. because in, I think it's, okay, 
<laughs> I could totally get this wrong, but from my <laughs> from my brain here, um, I think that there are certain surnames within Irish and and uh, Scottish families that there there's lore about a banshee being attached to. Yes, and then mm-hmm. um, I know that with like the military ET stuff. Mm-hmm. That also goes through family lines, and I would think that it's just because of, um, you know, if you have a military family member that has seen some stuff, they're they're obviously going to be watching them, or they have some interest in them. Um, and then as for the, like the banshees, that's probably I would think. Um, well, not all of them are cur- a curse. Some of the no. banshees come to to warn or to protect. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all just, you know, circumstantial. It's almost like a family heirloom that's being passed down from generation (laughs) to generation. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, when I was younger, I used to think banshees were just evil. And then as I got older and started getting more into the paranormal, then I realized, oh, no, not necessarily because they're trying to warn of something that's going to be happening, uh, normally a death in the family. So um, I don't think that... It warrants the title of being um, evil. Mm, right. Exactly. Yeah. And for the uh, alien encounters, extraterrestrials, um, I look at it as it's like when we are researching um, wild animals, uh, like say wolves, for example, and they tag them and they monitor them. I feel that uh, extraterrestrials are doing that with us as well. Mm. Yeah, I, it's, it's sometimes, not always. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was always really honestly afraid of the E.T. subject that I really? completely would just look the other way. I wouldn't listen to UFO podcasts. I wouldn't research anything in regards to like all this UAP stuff, aliens, mm-hmm. abductions, all of it. None. I would just turn my head. And, you know, cause ever since I was really little, I remember talking about the subject on, on the phone, on the landline. I remember you and I discussing this the other day. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the whole phone line and everything would get cut off. We couldn't make any phone calls out, nothing. And it only happened when I would have these discussions. Well, you know, then fast forward and I move out and I decided to try to start looking into this stuff again. All of a sudden, it's like somebody took control of my computer and then our Internet was shut off and I couldn't do anything uh, on it for a day. And then, um, you know, so so there was all this interference going on and it scared me. And I'm just sitting there going, "Okay, obviously, I'm not, you know, somebody or something doesn't want me going down this rabbit hole. So I won't. And then it got to the point where, you know, like in my book, I talk about how I had, I I don't know if I want to call it a dream or what, but it was that I was on a ship and I had interactions and after 
this experience, I was pregnant when that happened. And after I had this experience, then later on I went into preterm labor and the interactions that I had with the hospital staff was really strange. Uh, when they took my blood, for example, the man who did it left his phlebotomy cart in the hallway. You're never supposed to do that. And then he sent my ex out to the hallway to get the right tube. That breaks that doesn't so, sound right. No, that breaks so many rules. Just, I mean, it yeah. is bad. And so, and, and he was acting also um, like uh, in a hurry, um, just odd, you know. And then fast forward to when my child was born. And the nurse comes in in the middle of the night, cuts off all my armbands, injects something into my IV, takes the baby, and I'm out cold because of whatever was put in my IV. And the next morning, the uh, the new nurse comes in, yelling at me about where's my armbands, and I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? I don't know. Nurse so and so cut them off, said I didn't need them anymore, and she's like, no. No, those identify your medical whatevers and, and connect you to the baby, you know. And I said, well, I said the nurse's name. And she said, there was nobody on the floor that night with her name. And wow. she, yeah, she leaves the room. And then later on, when she comes back into the room, she won't even look at me. Hmm. And so there's been a lot of just really strange encounters when it comes to all that stuff. Um, you know, and then, and then fast forward after that. Um, when I was standing out on my patio and then all of a sudden I see a big cloud of smoke and then out from this cloud of smoke walks this thing being entity, <laughs> Like, he was tall, he had two legs, arms, walked just like we did, and then he's walking down the street and then just disappears, like you walk through an invisible door. And then after, because, you know, of course I don't have fight or flight, I have freeze. (laughs) (laughs) So... I, boom, I, I click out of it, I can move again, and... I go inside my house and I've called my sister. I'm a very, um, you know, I don't know how I want to put it. Uh, I've dealt with this stuff since I was so little that it doesn't make me get all hopped up. Like it was just a couple weeks ago. I had a really heavy um, tool kit uh, on top of the shelf above my dryer so it had you know my hammer nails and all the heavy stuff in it well that thing flew out of the cupboard and lands on my dryer and this was right as we were trying to go to sleep so you know all of a sudden out of the silence there's just like this huge bang and I just got up out of bed and I saw what happened and there was no way that it could have come out on its own no way at all and the kids didn't do it So I just set it on the floor and I'm like, I'm just, you know, you just kind of roll your eyes and go, ugh, seriously? 
I need to go back to bed. So this, I, I was hysterical. I was crying on the phone with my sister and trying to describe it. And then I go into my kid's room because I'm at this point, I'm trying to shut and lock all the windows, pull down the blinds and I'm standing in their room and I go to pull the blinds down, but I feel like I'm being stared at. So I look up and there it is standing in the window of the apartment across the way from us. And I, you know, I already had my phone out. So I took a picture and I was on, you know, talking to my sister. So she was able to, you know, calm me down and talk me through it. I take the picture, release the blinds. And that picture is also in my book. Uh, I think that's the picture you shared with me too, correct? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. And so that was freaky. Yeah. No, it was, I, I couldn't look at that thing for like a year and I didn't talk about it for maybe it was either a year and a half or two years. I, I can't remember exactly. I'd have to go back and, and look at the dates, but it took me a long time to even talk about it. So after I did that and after realizing that there's a lot of other people that have these experiences, it kind of gave me the strength to start looking into it. Um, you know, who knows what will happen, but, you know, it, it's it's definitely an avenue, I think, that it's just time to face. I feel that when someone has a, a reaction that way, when they're talking about extraterrestrials or UFOs, um, that tells me, now I'm no expert, but it tells me that they've had an experience with these creatures before and uh, they, their memory has been wiped or they've blocked it or, or something. But it sure sounds like you've definitely had encounters with them before. Right. Well, see, and that's, I, I feel that I have too, because there's another story that I told in the book where we were, my friend and I were sitting out back and... We were, okay, so it was the blue hour, and we're getting ready for constellations to come out, because we had, I mean, we had great sky space, like, zero light pollution, it was fantastic, and nice. we have our snacks, you know, and our chairs, mm -hmm. here we go, and <laughs> so we're sitting there, and behind me is the rock garden, so instead of... um there's no river rock or anything. It's all like agates and thunder eggs and that kind of stuff. So when you walk on it, it makes a specific sound much different than if you were to walk on like stones or river rocks or gravel. And I hear this and I hear it's more than two feet and I'm, oh. and I'm confused and this is all behind us. So I look at her and I'm like, look behind me, look behind me, you know, and I'm looking behind her and she's like, I see, I don't see anything. And I couldn't see anything either. And so <laughs> I feel so bad. I mean, I do and I don't. <laughs> but I, I, I just bolted, man. Oh, no. And you left her there? <laughs> well, I mean, she, if you see your friend running, you should run too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so she. She did or she didn't? She did. She did. Okay, good. <laughs> So she, 
she runs up with me and I mean we still laugh about it to this day because I also did the Good. same thing to my sister. Oh no. <laughs> I just I don't know. So if 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 anybody's ever with me and they see me running, just just run too. That's good to know. Right? If ever you and I are together. <laughs> and so um we run up to the house and we get inside and you know, it was so strange that we could hear walking, but we couldn't see anything. So we're sitting there for a while and she, I'm sitting in front of the window. So she's facing me and we're talking. And then all of a sudden she just buries her face in the bed. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, cause she was somebody that wasn't, um, she didn't get emotional. She didn't get scared very easily. She was more on the serious side and I'm like, look at me. What are you doing? And she just wouldn't. And so I'm just like, what is going on? And so finally she sits up and she has tears in her eyes. And Aww. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is wrong? Like, what happened? Are you okay? And she points to my window and she goes, I saw a hand go like this. And they were long, lanky fingers. And it was the gesture that she made was almost like a waving, you know, pinky down, ring finger down, middle finger oh. down kind of a thing. And uh, and how high, how high up were you? So we were on the way the okay, so you walk into the house on the on the top floor. And there's a basement, but the ground is slanted. So there's no way that you could get to my bedroom window without using a very tall ladder. Ah, so there was no way for anybody to stand out there. No way for anybody. To, like we would have heard a ladder and, and none of the ladders were out. They were in the garage secured. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was strange. That's for sure. And what did the hand look like? What was the description again? They were long, lanky, skinny fingers. Just, I don't remember, um, she didn't really say anything about a color. She just said that they were long, skinny fingers and um, that it moved in a waving motion. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that would be kind of, okay, that would really creep me out. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, no, anytime, it's like, I'm okay if I hear something I'm okay if I might like because I I felt a hand go in my hair once by whatever it was you know because I was in a haunted location and I was by myself those sensations feeling something touch you hearing your name whispered in your ear um slams of doors you can get I want to say I guess desensitized to it Yes. But when you yes, actually, very much so. Right. But when you actually physically see something with your own eyes, mm -hmm. that's where I'm just like, <laughs> that. that's where I lose it. <laughs> I, I think now this is how I think mm -hmm. that when you get desensitized, when you you're touched by something you can't see or you hear your name, you don't really see anything there. So your brain kind of tells you, oh, maybe... Uh, it was my imagination or, you know, it tries to figure out um, another reason why that happened. But when you actually have visual confirmation, that's probably when your brain goes, 
holy crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, at least that's that's how I look at it. No, I agree because when when I went, this is in Ohio, and I was at uh, Fairfield um, Infirmary, and you know the team and everything was getting set up, and I was like, can I can I go walk around? <laughs> and because mm-hmm. I just felt pulled. So I, I'm walking around, everything's fine. I go into the basement, I'm I'm singing, and you know, that's when I felt this hand like reach in like if you were to put your hand on the back of your head and put your fingers through your hair like that, mm. that is what I felt. And you know, that sent me running <laughs> back up to the group. <laughs> And after I collected myself, I sat there and I was like, seriously, what are the chances of something to that magnitude ever happening again in the same night? Mm -hmm. So I went Mm -hmm. back out (laughs) 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 because really these things are rare. So maybe a door would slam or something, but I seriously sat there and I was like, I really doubt that I'm going to get touched like that again. So now I'm good. Right. So you rationalize it. You, you, you know, but to see something physically to, and to have it ramp up like that would be difficult. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how we always try and rationalize things instead of saying, okay, it was a ghost or it was an extraterrestrial or whatever. Right. You know, chalk it up to paranormal right away. Mm-hmm. Oh no. We just try and rationalize first. Right. Exactly. I think I told, I know I've, I know the listeners have heard this before, but uh, I can't remember if you and I discussed this when we first moved into this house that we're living into now. Uh, my daughter and I were sitting in the living room and uh, it was winter, snowed every day. And she saw someone go up to the front door, which we never use. We just keep it closed and we have the dog bed there. So both the inside and the outside doors are locked. And um, someone, the, the door opened. It just, because it has the, uh, sorry, the deadbolt for the outside door, um, it was still, like it's like somebody tried to rip the door off, oh. and then I saw somebody leave. So when I opened the front door to look, there's no footprints in the snow. And my daughter's like, Mom, that was, and I'm like, well, it's probably the house settling. No, Mom, it was. And I cut her off. I'm like, yeah, I know. Well, maybe it was, and mm-hmm. she cut me off saying, no, Mom. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And and. I think I was trying not to freak her out too. Right. Um, but no, we had something try to get into the house and it couldn't because I sage often. So, right. Um, yeah, whatever it was. And even the animals reacted to it. But um, it was, uh, yeah, very strange how I'm trying to rationalize. And it's just interesting how as humans, we just try to do that all the time. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it, it's amazing the layers that we have here, the stuff that we can't see. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a terrifying experience. I mean, I did have something happen similar where it, it was so strange because it was like I could hear movement or hands or something on the windows in the back of the house, but yet also on the front of the house. And the sliding... All at the same time? Different. No, it was different. Okay. Um, but it was still soon enough to where you couldn't have gotten from one side to the next. Now, there could have been multiple right. people. But mm-hmm. then I heard the um, the screen door on the back patio just fly. It just slid open, you know, real hard. 
that's when I called the police because this was so physical and it seemed like somebody was trying to get in. Well, it had been raining and I've got lots of mud and stuff around the front and you would have seen footprints or something. They came, they checked, they saw nothing. There was no evidence at all. So they leave. Well, then I get a knock at my door like 20 minutes later (laughs) And I felt bad because I was scared and I was dealing with all of this and, and I didn't know what was going on and I hadn't any answers. And so I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, uh, ma'am, this is officer so-and-so. And And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And uh, he, he was like, I just, I just wanted to let you know that the neighbor called. So the neighbor called shortly after me saying that she was also experiencing um, the same phenomena. Wow. And But again, they never found anybody, and there's nowhere for anybody to hide. So it really made me sit there and go, wait a second, maybe this wasn't people. Yeah. Now, I'm sure it happens so often, but I've never actually heard of anyone tell me that, you know, they've had an encounter, and then later on, the neighbor also had the same experience. Are you, do you talk to your neighbors? No, she ended up moving out shortly after that. Oh, maybe because of that. (laughs) Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But it was, it was strange. It was definitely strange. So tell us the name of your book. I never thought to ask (laughs) you the name when when you talked about it and uh, when it came out. Um, so it's called The Diaries of Lady Anne, Aperture in the Veil, Born in a Preternatural World. And it, it's it's kind of funny. Um, I started writing this. I, I made it in a Google Doc in February. It was February 24th of 2021. And I just kind of started it because I wanted to leave something behind for the kids. Like, I even have a YouTube channel. Um where I read scary stories because the kids really like that. And I did that just so that way when they're over at their dads, I can still tell them stories. I don't think I knew that. (laughs) I don't. Yeah. I haven't really told many people about that. (laughs) So I, the, the thought behind um, writing the book really was the same thought with the YouTube thing is I just wanted to leave something behind for the kids and, and is the YouTube channel something uh, anybody can go check out? Yeah, and it's it's called The Haunted Railroad. And I think okay. that, because if you go to the KPNL website, or the KPNL YouTube channel, um, there's a section that says, like, other channels or something like that. I'm okay. really not a big YouTuber. So <laughs> <laughs> it's you can find it through there. There's only, like, four uh, stories on there and... and um, I definitely need to update it, but, um, but yeah, so I started the book and that, that became my focus. And plus I kept having so much stuff happen that I was like, if I don't start writing this down now, I'm going to forget. Yeah. So, um, I started it then. And then later on, I just kind of was Hemming and hoeing about, oh, you know, do I really want to submit this to a publisher? Do, do <laughs> I really want this to be a thing? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll see. I'll see. Because I had always wanted to be an author since I was like six years old. And I was like, well, okay. And they loved it. 
and I was floored. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. You know, oh, and the book cover is stunning, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. You know, and that Love was it. funny because so here I am, I'm I'm writing it, I'm you know, I set a word count every day, and then I needed a break, and I just had this vision, and I was like, I need to draw. I need to draw my own cover. I need to do this. Like I need, I need to do this. And so I can, I just in my head, I can see this image. So I start drawing it out and there's a lot of elements in the cover. Like in the very corners, there's um, circles and they're actually the moon phase on the night that I was born. And then the, um, there's a picture above the words, the diaries, and it's an, uh, an eye and flowers. Uh, the bottom ones are moonflowers. The top ones are lotus flowers. And the shape of it <laughs> actually is the same shape of the, ta- the only tattoo that I have. And there's significant meaning to me for, you know, the moonflower and the lotus. And then the, um, there's a scarab with a sun disc as well on there just so there's just a lot of symbolism that I I put into the cover um and I love that I remember when we were discussing it a little while back and not only is it aesthetically pleasing to look at at least with my eyes uh to know all the meaning behind the cover it's amazing thank you (laughs) that really means a lot seriously I was when I saw it come to life I was, I was shocked. I just, I cried. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that, that my drawing became an actual book cover. And so, you know, that was incredible. And then um, when I finished the book and I submitted it, I asked for a specific um, publish date, which they were actually able to make happen. So it was published and made as an actual book on the same day that I decided to open um, that Google doc and write the first words. Yeah. February 24th. That's right. <laughs> when, when you mentioned the date that you opened up Google docs, I thought, Oh, this is amazing. Cause I know when it was released. Right. So that is really amazing. Yeah. Exactly. A year later. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was, that was a lot of fun. I'm really big into, you know, symbolism and Mm -hmm. meanings and all that thing. I find a lot of people in the paranormal are like that as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, truly. And who knows your book might be as big as, um, well, you said you wrote it for your kids originally, but so is the (laughs) Hobbit. The Hobbit was written for his kids. Oh, and look how big, (laughs) yeah. Look how big that book is. And spawned many cartoon series and movies and, you know, so you never know, maybe yours will be like that as well. You know, and and that was one thing as I began to write it and as it evolved. And by the time I was finished, I was like, you know, maybe when people read this, what I hope that they get is that they realize that, you know, they're truly not alone, that these things are real and then the other thing, too, is just realizing how powerful we are in creating our own reality. 
you know, the, the power of manifestation is yep. definitely real, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yep. Some, uh, faiths call it prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, spiritualists call it manifestation. It's pretty much all the same. Oh yeah. At least in my opinion, in my opinion, it is. I think so because it's a focused thought. It's your yep. intention from your heart that you are, you know, pulling towards you and making happen. Exactly. Now you are owner of KPNL mm-hmm. and I want to say hello to everyone from KPNL from the chat uh, from <laughs> discord. Uh, yes. Great people there. Um, tell us how you got started with that. So KPNL, so it actually goes back to the caravan because the podcast that I've got uh, there was a page on the website and it said like on air, on air now. And I, I was, I love everybody in our community and everybody that does their podcasts like you, there's a lot of heart behind it. You're not just doing it to try to make money or get famous or anything like that. This no. offers healing. This offers. I know I don't make money. <laughs> oh yeah. No, same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, this is done from our hearts. This is done. um, It fosters community. It fosters um, healing. And let's, you know, like I said, people know that their experiences are valid. These things are real. And um, they're not alone. Exactly. Which is so Mm -hmm. huge. So that's why I created that page on there. Because I wanted everybody to that listen to my podcast to know, hey, there's all these other really cool people over here too. <laughs> you need to go listen to their <laughs> shows and listen yeah. to to these topics and and everything. Well, that grew from a page to an entire network and wow. I was just it was so much fun putting the website together and being able cuz it's it really is kind of a beast <laughs> because it's not just a paranormal podcasting network. Yes, we run um, podcasts Monday through Friday after 5 p.m. Um, till like almost 1 a.m. And then we've got special programming on the weekends. But when the podcasts and the radio shows aren't on, we have music. And even the music carries a paranormal theme. And there's a lot of yes. songs in there, too, that are personally like... They're personal to me. There's stories within, you know, the songs that just it, they really moved me in my personal life. And I was like, I think that this would call to somebody else or could call to somebody else. So I'm going to put it in the lineup. And then, um, and I love the music on there too. Thank you so much. Um, you know, and then from, so we've got the shows, the music, And then there's um, one part called the study. And the study is basically the library. And it has, you know, I tried to categorize everything. And then you click on like, um, what would one of them be? Uh, Encounters or location. So you can click on one of those. And then all of a sudden there's all these books. You know, I've got books from Lon Strickler. Um, uh, I've listed, um, I think Ryan, Ryan's book with the UFO is there. Um, uh, Linda Godfrey, her books are listed there. 
Um, you know, because what I wanted is for when people listen to all these podcasts and they have people on that have written books, I want them to be like, oh, wow. And then go to the study and be able to find that book that they're listening about right now and be able to buy it if that's what they want to do. That is so incredibly amazing. I love that idea. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun. And again, it's it's another way to really cheer on everybody that's in our community. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a, um, a section that's the shop page. That one I'm still building. Um, and that one has like... Um, That the intent of that one is there's a lot of people in our community that do, you know, they make fun things, whether it's uh, little action figures of, you know, the hosts or if there's um, little Mothman stuffed animals that they've made or ritual kits or, you know, what have you. Um, I want people to be able to access that kind of stuff as well. So I created the shop. One stop shopping. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. KP and L Emporium. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you have to try and use that somehow. Right. <laughs> now, it's funny because you and I, we were friends on social media for a while. We chatted every once in a while, but not that much. Mm-hmm. And then I was chatting with Dave Scott, and then he said, You need to reach out to Lady Anne with KPNL and say that I think you would be a good fit for the network and I'm so happy thank you so much Dave for recommending that because you have I you and I have connected um Mm -hmm. you know we've read each other yeah it's it's amazing it really is it's like this community I love it oh yeah no and sometimes amazing (laughs) I mean because yep like with you with our interactions right off the bat it was like okay we've definitely had past lives together Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then being able to pick up on everything energetically and then having all the synchronicities and just having messages, energetic messages mm-hmm. come up and be like, hey, are you feeling this? Or or I felt that and I wanted to tell you. And then it resonates yep. and it's just been a really incredible journey. I've loved it. So have I. Um, years ago, I was always hesitant to do that with people. Uh, send them messages saying, hey, I'm seeing this with you. Is everything okay? Or uh, whatever. And now it's like, I, I don't hesitate. I just let people know because yeah. I feel like it's being, I'm being told this for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm reaching out to a person and I've actually had friends because I used to live in Alberta and I've had friends that um, um, I haven't spoken to in a bit and I'll just message them saying, hey, I'm seeing this color with you. Is everything okay? And they're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, Yes. Or no, I'm not okay, but yes, that color makes sense, you know. Right. Um, it's just amazing um, how we can connect like that and not even be in in the same room. Oh, yeah. Well, and to be miles and miles away. Yeah. Yep. I love it. That's for sure. Yeah. It used to um, just blow my mind to think of, you know, somebody in a different country that I'm, I'm knowing what they're sensing or something's telling me something's off and I reach out to them and they're like, oh yeah, I needed to hear that because yeah, <laughs> I am going through something right now or whatever, you know. Yes. Um, uh, it doesn't uh, surprise me as much as it does or as it did 
when I first started doing it, right. um, almost desensitized now or yeah. not desensitized, but it's just like, oh, okay, I need to reach out this, to this person. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will. It's, it's just amazing. So for you listeners, if ever you have a feeling about someone that you haven't spoken to in a while, or even if it is a best friend or something, or, or someone in your life, uh, do reach out to them. Just say, hey, how's everything going? Because you don't know, maybe someone's going through something really horrific, and they really need to hear from you. So please reach out to them. Exactly. Now, you know, it's important. It's really important because, again, a lot of people sit there and go, well, I feel this, and they question themselves. You know, they're second-guessing themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to just do it. Just actually try because, let me tell you from personal experience, I didn't. There's mm-hmm. There's been times where I had second-guessed myself and I really regretted it later. Um, it's human. We second guess ourselves. We do. And and so it's it's better to try to reach out. And, you know, I understand that it can be embarrassing. <laughs> I'm a very yeah. shy person. <laughs> and if you're wrong in the moment, that's okay. Maybe it'll um, make sense later to that person because sometimes mm-hmm. things are delayed. Um, but it is much better to reach out and try than to have to sort through regret. Amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree with that. Yeah. There are a few times that I've uh, been thinking of someone and I, I never reached out and something happened to them, you know, and, and I used to beat myself up saying, well, maybe if I would have reached out sooner, um, I try not to think dwell on it too much. Right. But uh, that's one of the reasons why now when if, if I feel like I need to reach out to someone, I will. Right. Because there, there's there's a couple of times that I've, I think it even happened to you. Um, I'd have an image and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's screaming to me. It means nothing to me, but it might mean something to you. But this image is screaming to me and I really needed to tell you about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and I'm grateful. If anybody ever feels anything like that and you have a message, you see something, I am totally up to receiving for sure because... As am I. Yeah. No, that's for sure. I'm grateful for these gifts and definitely have learned a lot of lessons when it comes to them. And I, I talk some about it in the book as well. Um, and I share the journey that I went through in second guessing myself and trying to, to move forward in that and getting to, you know, the point where I am now where I'm like, Hey, (laughs) yeah. So (laughs) yeah. It's, um, to me, it feels like you've gotten out of your comfort zone to write this book and to publish it. And to me, am I right? Am I right on on that assumption? Yeah. You know, (laughs) it's, it's one of those things where I I've told some other people, I'm like, you know, this, this was really personal because it Mm -hmm. started out as a private thing that I was writing for my children. And then something just inspired me to really reach out to the publisher and see, you know, how that would go. And when it went off with flying colors, I was just shocked. And then I felt like, okay, well, maybe this is something that more people, not just my children, but other people need to read it, that there's something in it for others that can really help them. So, I mean, it, it worked. I'm coming from, you know, I used to write poetry and short stories and stuff like that. And I was so shy to even let 
somebody that I knew uh, mm-hmm. read even a, a you know five line poem that I wrote. I I was really shy about my writing. So the fact that this personal item with the, that's full of words for me <laughs> is out for literally anybody to to buy and to to read and and then you know not just that but like these are these are personal um like you don't just hear the stories you hear my thoughts and mm-hmm. like in the very towards the end you know cuz i i tried my best to go chronologically um so one of my last encounters was a sasquatch encounter and trying to write that out was really tough because I can recount it to you, to the audience, to whoever I can verbally talk about it because you can skip over things. But when you are, mm-hmm. when you are writing, you are writing every detail because if you, if you want to submerge the reader into the story and you want to try and help them see it, help them experience it. You have to re-experience it deeply to be able to write that out and to be able to make that happen. And that last story, probably I put the book away for a good month because I did not want to face it. And Mm -hmm. finally I, I was like, okay, today's the day I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to write it out. And I did, I had to stop multiple times and just walk away from it. And then I came back and, and finished it. And then once I finished it, it was like, oof. Oh, man. I can't <laughs> believe I did it. So, yeah. yeah. I've been wanting to... Um, I've been toying with the idea of writing a book in the past couple of years. But I just haven't been able to get my... Uh, my, my mind set ready for that. I'm not able to figure out even how to start uh once i think i think once i figure out how to start maybe it'll flow from there but uh sounds to me like you were really meant to write that book thank you you know and it was it was crazy too because as i and and this still shocked me the second that i wrote something down in the book something happened so there's there's one um so Trisha she was a mentor of mine my very first my very first spiritual mentor teacher and I hadn't talked to her we had kind of lost contact for a couple of years and I wrote her name down in the Google Doc with the intention of okay I'm going to I'm going to let you know I'm going to share this part of my life with everyone and she she messaged me that day. Wow. And I was just shocked, you know, and and stuff like that happened throughout writing the book. It was it was darn near a paranormal experience just writing the book itself and I and I messaged the publishers and I was like, "Man, this is happening when I'm writing the book. This just happened." <laughs> and and it was, you know, crazy and I think like something that comes to mind when you said about you wanting to write one for me, if I think that I'm writing something for everybody to read, I'm not going to write it. <laughs> so I started, Whoa, I, you know, never cause thought I, of that. yeah, cause it's, it's like, it's like standing up there at the podium, all eyes are on you. And so if I'm writing something from a, like, oh, I'm going to go write my diary. 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> then it's easier to start because it's just for me or it's just for my kids. And, you know, you could possibly toy around with that idea because then it's it's less pressure that this is a formal book that everybody's going to read, you know? Yeah. And I think for me, it's um, a vulnerability writing like that. And you don't want to be um, shunned or ridiculed or anything like that. So that's probably one of the reasons why I'm <laughs> hesitant. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because once it's out there and if you're, if, you're, if you're writing it with that intention and that thought, then it really can prevent you from opening up as much as maybe you should for the book. And so if mm-hmm. you just write it as a personal tome for the moment and then it'll just kind of take on a life of its own. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, here we are. Yeah. Where can people find the book? Um, so basically I would say go to Amazon um, and type in Aperture in the Veil, uh, Lady Anne, and that'll come up directly on Amazon. If they want an author signed copy, they can just PM me and um, we can do it that way. Nice. Um, I'm very much looking forward to uh, reading the book. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's just I, it just sounds so intriguing. Thank you. That means a Can lot. You, <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You mentioned about the Bigfoot encounter. Do you would you like to tell the listeners about that encounter? Oh, sure. Yeah, I um, you know, I had went uh, to Ohio and. We were, you know, doing our ghost hunting stuff that we do when I go over there. And the initial investigation, the stuff that was coming through the spirit box really seemed like whatever we were speaking to was connected to the land. So I had the bright idea that, (laughs) hey, well, why don't we do ghost hunting in the woods? (laughs) And because I guess Sasquatch just, it, it's one of those things where I just felt like, okay, it's out of sight. It's out of mind. I'm not even thinking about it. It's not part of my reality. Sure. Other people have had experiences, but I'm not going to have one. I literally thought that that was going to be how it is. And so we go out and we set up all this equipment in the woods And I'm sitting there and I can hear bipedal walking. And I thought that maybe it was my imagination or something. Because I I felt like the place was fine. I wasn't, you know, but that was weird. Well, then a little time goes by and I hear this really low growl. Well... Nobody else heard it. So here, you know, here's the second thing that I heard that nobody else heard. So I'm thinking, okay, this is definitely me being a scaredy cat. So I decide, you know what, I'm just going to stand up. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to turn around because maybe I just don't like where I'm facing. I don't like having my back to this area of the woods. So I turn around and I have a flashlight and I'm just kind of looking around because I'm trying to tell myself, you know, quit being a scaredy cat. And I look and there is this silhouette on this tree and I'm staring at it and I'm like, 
you've got to be kidding me. And I'm just like thinking, no, like we're not here for this. That's not part of my reality. Nope. (laughs) And so I look around other places with the flashlight and I look back there. Nothing's there. And I'm like, okay, this is, I'm just being, I'm just, I'm just being scared. That's what it comes down to. Well, something just, they asked me, they're like, are you okay? And I went to say yes. And I changed it to no, I'm absolutely not. I want to leave the woods. I just want to get out into the field. And so we packed up all of our stuff. And it was kind of funny because they they grew up in these woods. And, you know, when you're out ghost hunting, you're going to hear doors slam or footsteps mm-hmm. or creaking or whatever. And to back up a little bit as well, after I saw the silhouette and I was looking around and I had moved the flashlight we had drove in on a, um, like a little, like a gator. Um, and we heard a very large open hand slap on the side of this vehicle. Oh, and you know, they, they kind of laughed about it and they were still in ghost hunting mode. Sounds just come along with, you know, ghost hunting territory. And that's, you know, shortly after that, I was just like, we need to leave. So we go out to the field and Heather, oh my gosh, she opens up YouTube and brings up the video. It's a 1994 recording of the Ohio Howl. And she plays this and I'm just like, I, I'm like, I can't believe this is happening right now. <laughs> and the, the recording, like, out of the woods comes the exact same sound that you can hear on the recording. And I am literally just standing there like, I'm going to (laughs) die. Like monsters are real. I'm going to be eaten today. They're real and they're here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you hear it howling. You hear this sound like just an orchestra coming out of the woods where we just were. And I'm just like, I'm just standing there frozen. Well, it's when you hear this loud, I mean, li- like literally they had to have pulled, ripped a tree out of the ground and smashed it against another tree. Like even thinking back on it, my whole body, like I can still feel it in my body when I heard that loud sound of the, that crack of the tree and, you know, we're getting back in the gator at this point and I'm just like, go, 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 you know? <laughs> and I mean, it was, I, I thought that at the very most, cause you know, I grew up camping and fishing. I was in search and rescue. I, oh, you know, I, I love all that stuff. And I thought at most, maybe I'd smell something that stinks really bad that maybe that was a Sasquatch. I didn't think that I'd be surrounded and see a silhouette of one and hear them yell at me and, and rip trees up. Like, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's, do you remember how big the silhouette was? Um, if I think, I think it had to have been around 10 foot tallish. 
Wow. So, yeah. It, and it just, but, it, you know, so afterwards, after that happened and we went back to base camp and we were just sitting there kind of sitting in the, in the chairs, hanging out, you know, outside around, you know, um, I thought, okay, there are two different camps when it comes to the whole Sasquatch community. Half of them think mm-hmm. that this is as real as a great panda. The other people think that, okay, this is some interdimensional thing that rides on UFOs. Well, I don't believe in either side. I'm not going to take a side. I'm just going to experiment. So I'm like, let's try to see if we can communicate with them on the spirit box. We'll do the Estes method. So we put Heather on the spirit box. You know, she's blindfolded, noise-canceling headphones and everything. And sure enough, you can feel like something is around us. And we look up on a ridge and you can see one step out from behind a tree. You can see that same silhouette. I wasn't the only one that saw it. And you can see it kind of move like sway back and forth. And at one point, another person puts the flashlight up over there. And Heather says, bright, too bright. And boom, you know, he shuts the flashlight off. And the rest of the stuff that was said was, was more so, you know, they said something to the effect of we were once worshipped, but now we're a myth. And something about things being taken from them. And it almost seemed like they were just talking about how how things have changed and how humans have changed and how far away from the knowledge that we used to have and the connections that we used to have, you know, that's what I got out of it. But I mean, that's fascinating though. Right. Right. And I hadn't ever heard of anybody else trying to use a a spirit box to communicate with a Sasquatch. I knew that it would be kind of weird and off the wall, but you, that's what you have to do. Do the weird things because you know what? Let's say the spirit box, you didn't get anything out of it and it didn't uh, correlate. Well, then you checked that, you know, avenue of inspection off the list and you can go on to the other things. Um, but it was, it was fascinating for sure. And it's also given me a lot of thought when it comes to further investigations with other um, subjects like, what would happen if you were, let's say you go out to Skyview and you see an unidentified object? Well, a lot of people claim, from what I've seen at least, that it's almost like they have a psychic connection with the UFO itself. That there's people that'll think, okay, well, can you go to the left or can you go to the right? And it does, it behaves in that, yep. in that way. So what would happen if while you're viewing this... What would happen if you got on a spare box? I like that way of thinking. Right? <laughs> yep. You know, so it's just, who knows? 
Yeah, because if unless you try it, you're not you don't know if it's going to work or not. Yes, exactly that. Exactly. Mm. Wow. So what do you think? I, I know you said you don't want to take sides, but what do you think Sasquatch could be? Uh, well, from my experience and from some of the other things that were said on the spirit box, what I think could be happening. What if it's both? Okay. So what if, what if you have, you know, okay. So you, you've got the native Americans and their lores and legends when it comes to skinwalkers and windigos and all this kind of stuff, you've got all kinds of stories about shapeshifters. What if there is a being that can shapeshift and it shapeshifts into the form of a Sasquatch. And that is why you have the camp of people that think that it's interdimensional or whatever, because it's actually a shapeshifter pretending to be a Sasquatch. But then the actual Sasquatch is, you know, nothing more than, you know, uh, like, like, the great panda so what if it's both what if it's something pretending to be one and that's why you don't know because you haven't studied the actual physical one yet but you you know and and trickster spirits and shapeshifters i mean they're you know mm-hmm. pretty tricky <laughs> yeah no kidding so so because i've often thought that perhaps and and you kind of hit the head on the nail hit the nail on the head. Oh my God. I just had that. <laughs> um, coming off of a migraine from yesterday. Like, you know, yeah. So my brain's, I hear my you. Brain's a little <laughs> mushed. Um, I've often wondered if Bigfoot originally was a primate, mm-hmm. perhaps we don't have very many around, but there are beings who can shape shift into, um, various creatures that maybe they're not originally from our planet. Right. That's just one of the ideas that I've toyed with. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a great one. I think that that kind of thinking should be something that is more looked into. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of some Native Americans um, mention that they believe, or not believe, but they, they say, they claim that Bigfoot uh, was a guardian of mm. the planet. Um, so maybe these guardians are no longer around, um, or maybe, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's just so many corners that you could look at for what people believe this creature is. Right. No, that's exactly true. Part of me hopes we find out what it is. And part of me hopes we don't, because if we find out exactly what it is, you know, it's been discussed countless times by so many people, um, that if they do have a physical, body a physical creature Mm -hmm. that um you know there wouldn't be any more um logging uh logging industry would go down uh you know uh campsites would close and uh, so they would be hunted right right see so for that for that reason part of me believe hopes that they never find out what it is that was my grandpa's take on it he didn't want them to ever be found and for me, I think that there there are so many mysteries in the world, from mm-hmm. Sasquatch to even UFOs and aliens and ghosts and all that kind of thing. Let's say we had the ability to just find all of it out. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that'd be boring. 
because then all of a sudden we wouldn't have anything else to ponder or wonder or research or that feeling Mm -hmm. of being mystified, that spooky, that, oh, what if would all be gone. And it brings the world together. It does. I agree. It gives us something to talk about Mm -hmm. and to research. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. And if, like you said, if we didn't have all of this, it would be a boring world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never thought of that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of sad if everything was just boom, figured out because then it's kind of like, huh. Okay. Yeah. Now what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, the way I, I think of it is when you're a kid and you're waiting for Christmas morning, you've waited months, yes. you waited weeks to, you, you, You've seen those gifts under the tree and you finally open up, open up the gifts. Right. And then it's like, okay, they're all opened. You're happy with what you've received. But then it's like, okay, there's nothing else. It's Christmas is gone again. Yeah. No, exactly. Or imagine, imagine that all of your stuff is in see-through boxes and they're just sitting under the tree and they're like, well, you, yeah. you just can't play with them until Christmas morning, but here they all yeah. are. And then you're just like, well, there's no, there's no Christmas spirit in that anymore. <laughs> It's kind of funny, a friend of mine, a childhood friend, I remember growing up, um, we'd go to each other's house and we'd look at each other's Christmas gifts, right? Oh, nice. And so she she had uh, three siblings, three sisters, Mm -hmm. and everybody had to have their Christmas gifts, like parents would have their gifts on one side of the tree. Oh, yeah. You know, each sister, yeah. But then I can't remember how many days she wasn't able to touch her, her toys, her gifts for a certain amount of days. Because it had to be displayed under the tree. And I thought, oh, wow. What torture? That is torture. <laughs> that is torture. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I remember looking at her going, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, see, I do, um, I make Christmas bags. So they're material, you know, oh. like a Santa sack. But, you know, you yeah. can go to the fabric store and get all different kinds of Christmas um themed you know fabric and then Mm -hmm. you sew it up and you make it into a bag and and that you know when the kids are older they'll be able to each you know pick out however many bags um so that way they can use the christmas bags for now their house you know so you can i love that idea (laughs) it's an heirloom yeah yeah and it's been a lot of fun and then you don't have to pay for you know the christmas wrap and there's no trash of putting the Christmas wrap away and all that kind of thing. And, but I, but I do that as well with my three kids. Um, you know, on the left side is one, the right side is the other. And the very, the front and center is the other child's and, um, yeah. Cause I don't, you know, I don't name the bags or anything like that. And there's, they're all Ah. different fabrics. So it's not like, all the green fabric with the presents are yours. No, I just, you know, section it out. Yeah. It's interesting to hear how people do their Christmas trees. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're at the end. And um, is there anything, any final thoughts, any uh, <laughs> uh, tips you'd like to give people? Oh, goodness. Um You know, I would just say that, I mean, you're not alone. The paranormal is normal. (laughs) We, (laughs) we live in a preternatural world and, uh, 
yeah, just uh, try to trust yourself, especially like what you were talking about earlier, that if you have that feeling, if you feel that pull, reach out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. And could you tell the listeners where they can find you? Yeah. Um, gosh. So for my podcast, The Caravan Library of Lore, it basically runs um, October, November, and December. So I'm in the off season now, and I try to upload a full moon episode each month until October. Um, so you can Google the Caravan of Lore. Uh, you can type that in on Facebook, and that all comes up. Same with KPNL Radio. It's uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, just KPNL, KPNL Radio. That works. And then if you want to reach out to me personally, I'm on Facebook under Anne Celine, um, and then an email address that uh, would be good is the Caravan of Lore at gmail.com. Nice. And the listeners, you know where I'm going to be going with this. The links will obviously be in the show notes, so it'll be easier for you to find. Thank you so much, Anne. I really, really appreciate this. Oh, before we go, mm-hmm. have you ever thought of writing a novella? about what happened while you were writing your book because you said paranormal (laughs) encounters happened you should do that yeah that's actually a really great idea I um I haven't said anything totally out there yet but I mean I have I'm toying around with uh the idea of a second book and I definitely wanted to add that into it definitely yeah because I know those who will be reading the book uh, will want to find out more about what happened while you were writing the book. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I'm really interested to see if anything happens when people read the book. This... Yeah. <laughs> so definitely reach out to me if uh, weird stuff happens as you read it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I hope something happens. Good, of course. You know, nothing <laughs> bad. Hope something good happens. Right. That's awesome. Well, thanks again. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. This was amazing. It was. I had lots of fun. Thank you. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 